QSER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. And we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and a podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, coming to you from Garingai Land, which is the very fine hamlet of Point Clare, New South Wales, on the central coast. And I'm joined by... This is Coach Kiwi coming to you from Guy Country. And this is Lauren Hodson, and I'm uh, podcasting to you from the Sutherland Shire, which is Darawal Country. In this, our Round 9 show for AFLW Season 8, we will cover the Giants match. And uh, I just want to say I get by with a little help from my friends. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll pursue that when we talk about the Giants game, the Swans match and a white, a mighty wind. <laughs> I was going to say a whitey wind. God help me. Um, we'll talk about leading goal kickers. Loz has a soapbox and she's not afraid to stand on it. We want to talk about rising stars and, of course, the tipping comp and where on earth Loz's mum has ended up. <laughs> Let's get straight into it. Let's talk about the Giants match and Zali Goldsworthy. Need a little help, little help from her friends to get off the floor. But what happened? None of them were there. She was friendless. She had to help herself up. I thought it was hilarious. It, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was a bit funny, wasn't it? She was uh, Nigel no friends at a point <laughs> in time in the game. Uh, but as but you as, say, as she'll a, be copying it from her teammates. So. Well, that's right. <laughs> and I uh, said it might also be a bit of a, a meme and a... Um, a meme, a gif even. Yeah, that, that's right. Yes, it would be a good gift, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, wasn't a great day for the Giants. Um, it was a low-scoring first quarter, a point apiece. Um, so, you know, they were in it then, but really after that, the Suns sort of took it away. Uh, they were up by 13 points at half time, extended that lead to 19 at the final break. And uh, at the end of the game, they're up by 31. So the Suns just kept building on that. And, look, yeah. unfortunately, there weren't a heap of highlights for the Giants. Um, uh, well, let's let's talk about one of the highlights. So Izzy Huntington kicked her first goal for the Giants. So that was really yeah. special. You know. Um, Been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah, that's first, right. Obviously, First we, happened once. That's right. First happened once. At least once. Um, so, you know, look, that, in all honesty, that really was a positive. Um, it, and also, it must be a bit of a relief for her to finally get that first goal. Um, you know, we know she missed her first season with the Giants, and I think this was her, was it her second or third game in? So, good for her to get it, get it on there. Um, Goldsworthy again was one of the Giants' better players. Um, I think she had something like uh, 18 disposals. Uh, no goals this week, coming off the back of five goals last week. But goals in general were pretty hard to come by uh, for the Giants. They only had two for the day. And I said one of them was Izzy Huntington and the other was to Beck Beeson. So it's good to um, good to see her back playing some some good footy this year. But, yeah, it was um, – the, the Suns were just dominant, uh, you know, all over the park. I mean, Claudia Whitford for the Suns, 34 disposals, um, you know, absolutely phenomenal. Alison Drennan, 29 disposal. Charlie Rowbottom, she did go off in the last quarter, um, but I think that was just precautionary. 
uh, but she had 25. So the Suns really dominated um, possession, but they used it pretty well. Um, and we are talking before, but Zali Goldsworthy, um, Kiwi, you were mentioning that, you know, she dominated in the forward line last week, and then this week she plays a bit more time in the midfield. Yeah, you she know. seemed to spend um, most of the game rolling through the midfield. And, and you know, I mean, it could be a couple of things where they've um, they thought that she could have be the player with the next um, level of impact after losing Elise Parker because, you know, she's she's a massive loss for the Giants midfield. Yeah. Uh, or they could have thought that, you know, maybe she'll get too much attention in the forward line so maybe he's brought her, you know, back, back up the ground a little bit to get involved in a different aspect or – um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of reasons she could have rolled through the midfield, but I would have thought by the end of the second quarter when you're really needing some forward power, throw her back there maybe for a bit longer. You know, they've lost Georgie Garnett as well, um, and there's not really the big marking options that they had, you know, and, and after losing Privatelli and Cora Staunton, they've got to really rebuild that forward line, and that was the exciting thing, you know, having um, Brody Mowbray and... Um, Georgia Garnett and Zali Goals with these young ones coming in, just Doyle coming in. So um, I think, I don't know, I think there's a fair bit of polish, but I, I would have liked to have seen Zali stay a little more in the forward line after how she'd done so well the week before and just to continue, you know, proving she can be a dominant forward up there. And, you know, there's per- perhaps some other options that they could roll through the midfield. It was Pepper Randall's. 50th, she's a tough nugget. Maybe, you know, chuck her in there for five minutes here and there, you know, create the hole yeah. at the back, I guess. So maybe there's not someone to replace her in the back line. But, you know, you know, I think she could get in there and certainly win a, win a few first uses of the football. At I'm the- still getting used to seeing her without a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> Just gradual changes for you, Fee. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Don't make I any think, sudden changes because I can't cope. I think that was part of their celebration was um, all of Peppers, Peppers' hairstyles over the eight seasons. Right. Because yeah. Well, no, they even went back further, actually. I saw a photo of her back in the um, exhibition games. Which With she the long hair. the long, lush hair, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very different Pep back then. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been an interesting, um, but yeah. interesting collage. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, so it just ignites the debate who who had the best mullet over all this time, but <laughs> that's for another show. Um, but look, you know, Pep did well. Um, the the probably the biggest challenge is they don't have really major possession winners without Elise Parker. And if you look at those numbers, like you're talking about Whitford, she got 34, Drennan got 29, Robottom 25, who went off early, and um. Brancatasano, Brancatasano, I have trouble saying her name. She got 19. So they have four Suns players above the rankings of the first Giants player who happened to be Biso and 18 disposals. So, you know, huh. there's, there's, you know, really three really high quality, high quantity users of the football. And it seemed like Giants weren't able to sort of stop them getting the getting their hands on the ball. Uh, so yeah, so that's probably a, a big challenge for them. But yeah, it was in the end, it was Biso and um, Zali Goldsworthy that were the two who won the ball for for Giants. He met together um, less than forty. So you know, Whitford had almost the same number herself, and I think she played as a small forward. So 
cut that girl out, get the Giants with the ball in their hand, that'll make a difference. Yeah. yeah, it certainly would. And one thing I just want to mention, it's, it's certainly not a, a highlight, but um, in the first minute of the game, we saw a, a pretty um, a pretty hard head clash between uh, Jester of the Giants and um, Elise Barwick for, for the Suns. It was, they both literally, uh, yeah, heads down going for the ball, just a head clash. And um, unfortunately for Barwick, she was taken off on the Medicab and uh, yeah, didn't, didn't come back to the game, um, but I believe that, uh, look, she's had a concussion, but I believe that she's otherwise okay. But with the protocol, she'll she'll miss their round 10 game. But, um, yeah, yeah not, not the way to start, but credit to the Giants. A player down for, you know, 99% of the game. Uh, sorry, credit to the Suns, I should say. Um, you know, and, uh, it, yeah, they, they ploughed on and, and certainly played well, but yeah, certainly something you, you don't want to see, regardless of, you know, uh, who's playing. No. This is Maddie Collier, and you're listening to the Coat Hanger. Okay, let's have a look at the Swans match. Well, I got my tipping wrong, didn't I? I was not. I did not have. I didn't keep the faith, and I went and tipped <laughs> Collingwood, and I was wrong. Well, I, so... I kept the faith with the Pies and was wrong, so <laughs> don't feel too bad, Fee. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm told that there was a mighty wind um, at uh, Henson Park, home of women's footy, and that that contributed to um, perhaps some of the scoring shots and the the fact that Collingwood had more scoring shots than. Well, than I think the, the wind contributed to just as much score as the first quarter of either Suns or Giants in their game on Friday. Right. Oh, oh, now there's a stat for you. I'm impressed. Yeah. And and the thing <laughs> is said that right. <laughs> both teams had to play the game in the same conditions. Um yes. but yeah, when when you've got more scoring shots, but you like Collingwood had I think one more scoring shot. Um yeah. but in the end the margin was what are we looking at? 19 points. 19. So same you know, it's um yes, it was windy but up. Certainly didn't make the most of the opportunities. I think Collingwood had something like 15 more inside 50s. Um, started off well for the Pies. Um, you know, they got yeah, a couple of goals were... early on the Swans. Yeah. Um, not that I saw those goals, but we'll get to that in the soapbox with uh, time later on in the show. <laughs> but, look, um, I think the game lived up to its hype. Obviously, there was a lot around Chloe Malloy coming against her former club, the Magpies. Um and, you know, she certainly played well. Um, you know, Collingwood, I thought they might have done a, a tag on her, but didn't. I think they did put Schleiser on her in the, in the last quarter. But, um, look, yeah, Malloy played well. She kicked three goals. Uh, uh, Beck Privatelli had a good game. She kicked two, as did Sophia Hurley. Uh, Sabrina Frederick for the Pies, she kicked two. But, um, yeah, look, the... The Swans were just, uh, I said, fairly, fairly dominant, um, and particularly their last quarter. It was uh, they had a strong last quarter. It was, was pretty close at the three quarter time. Um, it was only two points in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swans up. Uh, Collingwood <laughs> had held the Swans scoreless actually in the third quarter, uh, but then in in that last quarter, Collingwood could only manage two behinds, and the Swans put three one on the board. And I think. Uh, 
Sophia Hurley. I think both of her goals came in that last quarter. So, and I think she might have kicked the the first two, but look, she had a fantastic last quarter for the Swans. Um, yeah, she was absolutely um, phenomenal for them. She's having a really good season. Yeah. Now, isn't that a departure for the Swans, could we say? By the fourth quarter, they've often run out of steam, having had a um, decent start, although in this case, <laughs> it was Collingwood who, who kicked the first two goals. My point being, they were ahead for um, most of the match after the first quarter. Is that correct to say? <laughs> yes. Um, yep. But I'm just I'm just so used to the rug being pulled out from underneath them in, in the fourth quarter. So um it was very pleasing to see that that was not the case this time. Yes, could it well, be a certainly. wind thing? Pardon? Oh, could the wind. Be, yeah, could it be a wind factor? Well, yeah, just looking at yep. it now, like it if you go just by the scoring timeline, um there's definitely a, a scoring scoring end. Um but uh, look, it's at the end of the day, both teams play in the same conditions, and it's not like it. You know, the wind suddenly came on in the last quarter. You got to you got to adjust to that. And we see from scoring shots, Collingwood had just as many, if you know, opportunities. They had more inside yeah. fifty, so they just, you know, didn't make the most of their their opportunities. Um, so one before, thing, sorry, no, no, go ahead. I was going to move on, so I just wanted to check if you had any more to say about <laughs> that. Oh, just quickly, I was just going to say that um, Ruby Schleiser went down with a look like a pretty nasty knee injury in the last quarter, mm. and I think you know they the club feared the worst yesterday. Uh, it's been confirmed today that she's injured her PCL, so rules are out for the rest of the season. Um, but you know, but may not be as barring any mishaps, she'll be yeah. right to go for uh twenty twenty four. Okay, so. Uh, Swans actually have a pathway to finals, don't they, Coach Kiwi? They do. They're currently sitting in the top eight. They're playing – look, I think they're playing some really good football. Um, and, you know, as they've said, they're trying to now make Henson Park their their cauldron as such. Um, they've won a few games there. But more importantly, I think it's the atmosphere in the crowd. And, you know, Newtown, Newtown Jets will tell you that when you fill that place, the atmosphere is something else and it does raise you up. Um, yeah. So, you know, the 8,932 that they had there in the weekend was just, you know, just standard for them really, isn't it? It, it is was actually five five 5,722, <laughs> I think. But they're averaging 5,000 or around about 5,000 a game. A home game so um absolutely if they get a home final they're going to want to play it there and you know the crowd to get around and and the good thing about having it in the inner west because we hear some challenges about the inner west city's home of footy it is the home of of women's footy it is the home of women's footy and you know what you'll see is also a lot of giants fans will still come down and watch the swans game because it's a game in town and that's yeah. what it is. It's a game in town. We don't get a lot of them. The first season we got four four out of the nine rounds, I think, or the first few years when we had nine rounds, we'd only get four, Some and maybe only two in Sydney. Like it, It's always yeah. been a stretch to get regular games in Sydney, and now here we are. If Swans aren't playing, Henson, you know, Giants have played there. So um, it does get some regular peeps. The, the local um, – uh, what do you call the local brewers? Just the craft brewers, the the mm-hmm. small people who make little fancy cans of beer. 
they all get invited to come and they sit their st stalls up on the hill. So it creates a bit of an atmosphere for the locals who come down and want to drink their regular Sunday afternoon craft beer in the sunshine. They just can't take their dogs, but, you know, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you're on the hill. Um, but if you're not from the inner west, tell us, Loz. If you're not from the inner west, because a lot of a lot of Swans members are not from the inner west. No, you'd want to get there at least an hour early. Look, Henson, it, it, or everything you said, it, it certainly is a great venue to to watch footy from because it's still got that community feel. And when it is packed with a genuine crowd, it's the atmosphere is fantastic. But because it is in the middle of suburbia, and I mean. The only dedicated parking for Henson is around the field, but obviously for an AFLW game, that's not possible. So accessibility is not great for the venue. Um, I couldn't find a car spot that was closer than Sydenham Station. So for those unfamiliar with the area, it's probably a, I don't know. Who uh, Yeah, 1.5-kilometre walk maybe, you know, slightly more. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not uh, – not that the AFL can go and fix it and and suddenly uh, invent car spaces when there's not, but it certainly impacts the game because you've got, um, you know, uh, look, it's, it's just not accessibility friendly. Um, you've got, you know, young kids, families having to walk, you know, a fair distance if they um, want to get to the, the game. And, you know, I'm not aware that there's any shuttle buses running from Sydenham Station or potentially anywhere from sort of around the, the Marrickville general area so whether it's something bloody can be should be other seasons but bloody should be yeah it's um yeah that's my... you know what five dog has it may have thunder it may have lightning but it's got public transport options yeah five dog, it, is that what i mean Dremoin. 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 Oh, Dremoin. i, I didn't know what you mean dogs, though Dremoin yeah, Oval. yeah so you could get just... there by ferry you could get there by <laughs> bus yeah it's just accessibility <laughs> wasn't wasn't that that great and um yeah it makes it hard I said I mean it was uh, you know hard for me as a single person going to the footy but you know if you're a family with a couple of kids and yeah you, you know you can't find a car spot um unless you get there an hour early and then you've got to sit with your kids you know um for so, an hour an hour and a half for the game so two I things, think it's just a difficult thing two things could happen then the AFL AFL W or New South Wales AFL could put on some shuttle buses and encourage people to travel by public transport. Yep. Or the local schools in the area, and even if you are not on that road, you might be a few blocks away, you could set up your own shuttle bus, charge five bucks to park a car and run people down. Like here's a good income for the PNC. I think they still have them at schools. Yeah. Um, but my other question is, Loz, how did you, what did you do in the afternoon if you didn't go to the football? Well, so what I did, because uh, by the time I got as far as going back to Sydenham Station, and look, I drove around for about 15, 20 minutes, the various streets, trying to find a, a car spot. Uh, but I guess because the game was at Henson, all the locals were there, so they weren't <laughs> driving away from the area and leaving the streets free. Uh, so I, I uh, ended up being a couch tester at Ikea, but I did listen to the game uh, via KO. Uh, so I was doing that whilst I was, um, although, you know, drops in and out in Ikea, but I did listen to the last quarter, which even though Sydney Swans broke away, it was still an exciting So um, you went to Ikea quarter. and you found one of their set-up houses and you sat yourself on the lounge. 
Well, that and would have been watch... a better option to actually just find <laughs> well, one. That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> so well, maybe good. I should have gone with that story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was, look, it's. You did um, the inner west thing. Go to Ikea for the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. So, um, but look. Being a uh, Collingwood sport, obviously disappointing to lose, but, uh, you know, really good signs for the Swans, I think. Really good signs. Hey, it's Elise Parker here, and you're listening to The Coat Hanger. Leading goal kickers. All righty, leading goal kickers. So it's still very good signs for the Demons. They've just swapped around who's leading the goal kicking. Uh, so Eden Zanka is on top after nine rounds. She's uh, got 20. Kate Hoare, uh, 19. In third place, we've got Caitlin Gould from the Crows on 16. And in equal fourth, all on 15, we've got a heap of players. We've got Dakota Davidson from the Lions, Danielle Ponta from the Crows, Tylee Randall from uh, the Kangaroos, Chloe Shear from the Cats, Jamie Stanton from the Suns, and Bonnie Toogood f- uh, from the Bombers. Now, we're talking, um, I was going to say pre-game, we're talking pre-podcast, uh, that Kate Hoare now being on 20, um, that's the best result we've had for leading goal kickers um, in a season, as Pendles, you may have heard him, agrees with my comments. Fa- absolutely fantastic. <laughs> with, one more, with one more round sorry, to I go. Should say, yeah, that's right. Eden Zanker, sorry, is on top, not not Kate Hoare. Mm. Um, the previous t- uh, leading tally for home and away season um was Jess Wardlaw and uh, from the, when she was playing with the Lions last season and Ash Woodland from season six, the first season of 2022. They both finished the home and away season with 19. So uh, another record broken uh, in season eight. She could kick, kick a goal this weekend. They have Lions. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. She's already broken the record, but yeah. um, the, it's still it's clearly standard. up for grabs. Look, for anyone to overtake... The demons plays, they're going to have to to kick a bag, um, but you know we've seen a few bags this year, four, five, you know I think yeah. uh, six, I think Jamie Stanton. I don't think anyone's reached Brooke Lachlan height of seven, but um, yeah, it's it's certainly possible. But yeah, regardless, uh, record's been broken. I'm Lisa Steen, and you're listening to the Coat Hanger. Okay, and so who are our rising stars this week? Rising stars. <laughs> Let's have a look here. So we had a uh, – who did we have for Rising Stars this year? We had a Hawk. I'm just bringing them up now. Technology's Lucy. doing me uh, great. Lucy Wales. Yep, Lucy Wales. Uh, she was from the Hawks. 20 disposals, six tackles and six clearances. And always good to uh, to uh, to get a win. And I should say the win came in um, uh, Emily Bates' uh 75th game obviously she played the majority of her career with the lions um speaking of the lions they had the other rising star and that was charlotte mullen she had 11 disposals one goal but seven tackles so uh seven tackles when you're playing as a forwards um i think a pretty good indicator of you know keeping the pressure on yeah good stuff i'm Catherine smith and you're listening to the coat hanger okay finally <clears throat> winning drum roll the tipping comp. <laughs> Loz, first of all, I think you should share your news about well, the tipping comp. Potentially my best result of the season. <laughs> Any season. I think. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, I What did I get? I got six for the round. 
Now, if I let me just see if I can find the email. You know, you get an email on the Monday, and it goes through and says these were your tipping results. So, you know how I like my stats. You know, don't know if I've you know told anyone that. So apart from getting six out of nine this week and red hot tip people, it helps when you actually remember to put your tips in. I jumped four spots in the Code Hanger Footy Radio Show tipping comp, but get this, my rank for the overall AFLW website tipping jumped eleven thousand six hundred and eight. That's so, impressive. You know, you talk about taking the positives from games as players and clubs. I'm taking yeah. the positive. I rose 11,608. So That's I'm definitely taking the positives from that. Um, I was so impressed with my results that I haven't even bothered looking at where Susan from Briar Hill tipped because, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't want to get myself on a downer. Um, and given I only jumped four spots, unless she dropped a lot, she's still going to be ahead of me. But, uh, you know, you focus on the positives. Exactly. All right. So I'm just having a quick look now. And I'm assuming now uh, is it Tilda is still still up the top. I don't think so. No. I wonder if I've jumped ahead of the code yeah, hanger. You're, you're fourth, Kevin. <laughs> oh, still you fourth. have, Liza, you have. The code hanger is finally down near the bottom. It's and below the code hanger at 31 is Peter Trogilgus. Um on 32 uh, <clears throat> with two points. There must be, there's a few. There there's a bunch that only tipped two. Brandon. Yeah. There's uh, a tough week. There's Fern, a few. Fern has beaten you, though, Loz. Yay, Fern. <laughs> well, whilst we're talking about inter-tipping competition rivalries, uh, Susan from Briar Hill and uh, one Fiona Lamb yes. are on equal tips for the year, 52. All right. Uh, but so, based yeah. on, you know, margin difference, uh, Susan from Briar Hill is 15 and Fee Lamb is 16. So <laughs> I tip my, my allegiance is a split. A tip of the hat <laughs> to Susan from Briar Hill. <laughs> so that, that could be the, uh, you know, the matchup to watch. Oh, you ready? <laughs> goes, 15 and 16, there's your, there's your showdown. Okay, and very you're, you're still ahead of Nettie Morgan. <laughs> Natty P, a shout out to you. Sorry, I didn't make the match, Natty P. I thought about it, but it's too far, and I was feeling a bit delicate. Um, so next week, the Giants meet Port Adelaide at Alberton Oval at three pm on Saturday, the fourth of November. And in the last match of the home and away season eight, Swans meet Dockers at Fremantle Oval on Sunday, the fifth of November at five pm. So get your head in front of a telly to watch that. And I say one thing. Yes. We celebrate the crowds that are coming along to Henson Park or getting behind the Swans of the Giants. We've got the highest average um, of all the states at the moment, I'm pretty sure. No game in our state for round 10. Poor fixturing. Yeah, rude. Rude. Could do better. This has been the the round nine show of the coat hanger for AFL season, AFLW season eight. God, I'm stumbling all over the place. Um, catch us on our socials. You know who we are. You know how to find us. We'll be back next week for uh, round ten. And for the best hub of views in women's footy, tune into the coat hanger. <laughs>